And welcome back to another episode of Commission Impossible. It's only been like six months or something. We're here for episode nine. Our last episode had Nathan Powell. We love Nathan. He was our first and possibly only guest. And uh, that was that was a really good episode, really interesting episode. But today we're going to go over some questions that we had on Twitter and in the mailbag. We haven't shown in a while, so there's uh, a lot of them. Again, Ryan, you, you got some yesterday. That's, uh, did you get a lot of response from that? I did, yeah. It has been a while since we had a show. It's It's been even longer since we uh, took some listener questions. So, yeah, we we do have some good ones. We I don't think we've had a show since the season started. So, um, you know, there's really multiple roles of being a commissioner. Lots of things to do in the offseason, of course. But once the season starts, mm-hmm. ideally, you're just kind of on autopilot. Everything's running smoothly. But that's not always the case, as we know. There's always some hiccups, some things to deal with yep. as a commish. And uh, that's a, a lot of what our questions are about today. Yeah, and, and we'll get into those. And I'm sure I'm just going to take a guess right around playoff start time. We'll probably have another episode just because that seems like a, a period of time where commissioners also have questions. So uh, we, won't, we won't be too far away from our next episode. But in season, it's, it's a little less frequent. So let's start with Alex. Alex has a question, uh, and Sean kind of has a similar question. Do you have any suggestions to get more inactive owners to respond to trade offers? And Sean's is basically, how do you use a commission engage your league to keep it active? How do you encourage trading? So I guess we can hit on that. Um, Ryan, what, what do you think? Is there anything you do? I think we've answered this before, but may, maybe we have some fresh ideas. Yeah, it's it's so tough to encourage trading. And I, I think every commissioner, uh, they, they want their league to be the most active league. They want their league to be full of trades, um, just just trades hitting the, the email inbox every day and and in so many cases that doesn't happen so this is something that i've thought about a lot i've um i I do have i mean i I have a rule in my leagues that you have to respond to trade offers as part of uh, our activity rules but at the same time that's not something i can really police because i'm not obviously i'm not checking everyone's trade offers um or, or anything like that. So it has to be something that is uh, reported by the owners. And, and, and that doesn't happen a ton in, in my leagues, at least. So, I, I mean, outside, yeah. sorry, outside of a rule like that, which I don't, I don't know how effective it's been. Um, <laughs> there's not much to do that, that I've found at least. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm the same way. I, I have not found really anything you can do about it. I, you can have that respond to trade offers rule, but I mean, <laughs> you, like you said, you can't, you can't really police that unless someone comes to you and lets you know. Um, I, honestly, this is, this is the biggest bugaboo in so many leagues. And I guess you can just, after each season reevaluate and if someone's super inactive, you know, just, just replace them and hope to get a new active guy. I will say this. I saw something earlier today, a league that I'm, I'm interested on your thoughts on this. There, someone tweeted me that had a league where you only get to make 15 ad drops, 15 waiver transactions during the entire course of the season. So once those are up, 
the only way you can improve or you know you improve your team or whatever is trading. So I thought that was an interesting interesting way. I'm not even sure how you would track that as well. That might be a police your own situation, but I'm curious what you think of that one. Um, yeah, that, that is interesting. That is something that could possibly encourage more trading for sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against that. Uh, anything I think that adds to the challenge can be a, a fun aspect. So I, I would be okay with that. W- one other thing I have done in my leagues in the past, which unfortunately did not really work, was trying to mandate use of the trade the trade bait uh, requiring mm-hmm. everyone to, to do that and actually I had a rule a short-lived rule that required everyone to make an offer on every other owner's trade bait so if there was a player Ooh. yes exactly <laughs> it didn't work out so well but uh, every owner put one player on trade bait at a certain point in the offseason Every other owner had to make a trade f- offer for that player. And even if it was a player you didn't want, you could uh, just make a, a, a big-time low-ball offer to ensure that your trade did not go through. Um, and and it, just, it just didn't result in any increased trading. It was just another thing to check off, and uh, people were just kind of going through the motions with it. So that was not the answer to, um, to encourage more trades. I can definitely see someone in a league like that just offering a crazy, crappy, low-ball offer to every single team in week one and being like, okay, met my requirement. Now I can just play the season like I normally would have in the first yeah. place. Yeah, it, it didn't <laughs> go well. It was, it was you know, it, it, came from, it's a good, it came from a good place, but the, the results yeah. were not there. There's so many things that, that we do as commissioners that we're like, this, this seems like a good idea, and then it just doesn't work. It's, it's such a common, <laughs> common thing. The only other thing I've yeah, thought so. of is, and, and I've never tried this, but rewarding owners who make trades with something uh, something extra. And I think the easiest thing would be to maybe do some extra blind bidding uh, dollars. Mm-hmm. So maybe every time you make a trade, you earn you know, X amount of, of blind bidding dollars, depending on what your year-long budget is. Um, so that... That could maybe encourage more trading, yeah. but it, it just depends on what your, uh, you know, how your league values blind bidding bucks. Right, exactly. And you could you could also run into that situation again where teams are almost collusionary, where teams are you know making just stupid trades at the end of their bench to to get more blind bidding dollars. And um, I don't, I don't, I mean, that feels like a lot of work if it's like a buck or two, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that is, that is an idea that, that might work in some leagues. So that's, it's not a bad idea. It's, it's a tough situation for every league. We've probably spent four minutes on this already just because it's, <laughs> it's so tough to figure out how to do that, but uh, best of luck in your league. And like I said, I mean, if, if you're really, you can throw in some rules like we've suggested or just, you know, each year get rid of inactive owners. To let let people know if you're inactive, if you don't do ad drops and trades and stuff, you either could be gone or maybe there's a penalty draft pick wise. I, I really don't know. It's if you figure something else, let us know. <laughs> We'd like to hear about it. I'm sure there are leagues out there that have figured it out. So uh next guy, Jaron. Uh Ryan. Oh, 
you, you're addressing Ryan, but we're gonna you're gonna get me for free. You're gonna get Ryan's <laughs> answer, and then you get get my answer for free. Interested in hearing your take on handling players accidentally dropped. If you hadn't grabbed him, uh, it gets messy. Would you have a penalty? I actually retweeted a tweet about this yesterday and made a comment. Um, Ryan, we'll go with you since he asked you first. Yeah. So this is Jaron Foster, our our uh, coworker oh, over at sure. DLF. Sure. And uh, Jaron is also in Hyperactive 2 with me. And he's he's specifically asking about a situation that happened this week on waivers. Uh, Demarius Thomas was dropped in our Wednesday blind bid waiver run. I grabbed him uh, pretty quickly for a couple of reasons. One, I was obviously pretty certain that was a mistake. Yep. And um, I, I knew the easiest way to correct that would be for me to get him and then uh, and then fix it later. And then of course the other reason was if it if it was a mistake for some reason, then then I would want him on my team. The same thing happened with Deshaun Kaiser a, a few weeks ago. Obviously that's a, a lot you know smaller degree than Demarius mm-hmm. Thomas getting dropped, but uh, Deshaun Kaiser got dropped. I kind of felt like, ooh, that that might be an accident. So I I grabbed Kaiser, never heard a thing from the other owner. So it was just a choice he was making. And I, I got Kaiser for free. In this case, just a couple of minutes later, I, I get a message from the Thomas owner saying, you know, can I have him back? That was obviously a mistake. And, and I was able to fix that and get him back on the correct roster, which is, I mean, that's the only, that's the only way to handle it. Um, Maybe if somebody else other than the commish or other than somebody who has some common sense grabs him, then it gets a little messy, like Jaron says, and, and you have to, you know, you have to make that decision. And obviously the original owner would get Thomas back, but uh, it, it may not be as clean as if I had grabbed him first. Yep. And uh, the, the question yesterday was about Julio getting dropped in the league which is clearly an accident. The The polling was actually kind of split on it until I retweeted it with a comment, and then it was like 87% give him Julio back. <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, um, to me, there's not even a question. Jaron yeah. mentions a penalty. I don't think there needs to be a penalty. Yeah. It's, it's something that happens pretty rarely, at least in my leagues. Um, yep. So, I, But it does happen. I mean, I... In, in my leagues, I'd say it happens at least once or twice a year in almost all my leagues. I mean, it's really rare, but it does happen where someone drops someone on accident. I do have in my rules, uh, you have to contact me within, I can't remember if it's one hour or two hours. It might be different in each of the leagues, but one hour or two hours, or it has to be blatantly obvious um, for me to correct it. And uh, another thing you can do um, so you can avoid the the quick... You, like you had to be as a commissioner step in and really quick pick him up. You could make it so when a player's dropped that he's locked for a day. Um, I, I'm not a giant fan of that, but that that can really curb those kind of accidents. That way, that owner has 24 hours to contact you. You can correct it without a mess. So, but yes, I, I do not penalize. I, I completely agree with you on that, Ryan. Let's go to Alex. How do you handle owners in your own league asking you strategy questions when you're the commissioner? Uh, should you do this? Would you do this? Do you worry about playing favorites? Me personally, I do. I don't care. I, I not just strategy. I'll talk about players, how I feel about players, even my opponent, 
who he's considering starting, I will give him my honest answers. I, I just, it doesn't bother me. I don't, I don't care at all about that. And maybe a part of that is because my job is a fantasy football analyst guy, whatever. And I just always want to be able to, I don't know, tell them exactly what I think. I don't want to like deceive anybody. Maybe that's part of it is just, I'm not a guy who likes to deceive people. Um, but I always talk strategy or players. I, I just don't care, you know, bring your best, see if you can beat me. And they, you know, usually do. (laughs) How about you, Ryan? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. I mean, I don't, I don't try, certainly don't try to hide anything. If there's, uh, if they come to me with questions, I'm glad to answer them. I do think it's, um, you know, with, with some of our leagues, there is more strategy to those when you get into auctions and contracts and Devi. I mean, the more aspects you add, the more strategy more layers of strategy there there is um and some of those leagues are pretty complicated so when when i bring new owners in who have not played in in like the kitchen sink format for example then um not only do am i okay talking strategy with them sometimes i i blatantly lay out some things like you're going to want to know this and this and this mm-hmm. before this auction starts uh, because it's it's things that we've learned we being people that have been in the league for a while things that we've learned along the way and i'm just trying to catch them up yeah it's it, yeah, we're, we're both the same and it, i wonder if it'd be different if we weren't um analysts you know but i i really don't think it would i feel like even before uh, I was that guy. So uh, I think it's okay. I mean, I, I would do it. I, sh- I, I don't know that, uh, I don't know that there's a right answer. If you don't want to, I don't think you have to, uh, but if, but if it's a really, really difficult league to get a hold of, maybe you should at least give a little help, but yeah, it's, that's a tough one. Uh, you also, Alex also asked what tools outside of native MFL features do you use to add value to your league or make your job as a commission easier? Yeah, well, it's it's tough for me because I'm a I do web development on the side, so I'm able to you know implement things that you're the ninety nine percent of the people listening to this can't do. So I don't I don't really know that I have anything to offer here. Is there anything you use, Ryan? Um, nothing comes to mind, but Alex is kind of making me think that maybe <laughs> maybe Docs. I should. Yeah, maybe I should use something. Yeah, I mean, I Google Docs, of course. Um, just to make sure everybody's understanding and, and monitoring different, uh, you know, auctions and, and things like that that are going on. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, I I'll yeah. obviously it, point people to some of, some of what you've created, the, the MFL tool to um, set lineups and, and track life scoring. Those things I think are very valuable. Yeah, yeah, those 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 are nice. And if someone listening has some tools that you use that help make your job easier as a commissioner, especially, uh, let us know. Uh, commissionpod at gmail dot com. Uh, that that'd be great to hear some of those. Uh, we love hearing that stuff. Uh, Stuart, what's the best we way to leave a league you commish? Ooh, uh, do you transition or do you just leave it up to the new uh, owners slash possible commish to figure it out wow i that's tough every league that i've ever left as a commish i basically just killed i basically said okay this is done i'm leaving um 
it, it doesn't happen often, but uh, I've pretty much just left. I, I've just said, okay, this is the last year of this league. We're done. Uh, if you guys want to keep it, you keep it. So I guess that's my answer is that I just, <laughs> I just let it up to the existing owners, let them do with it what they want. What about you, Ryan? Have you ever done that? Have you ever um, done a transition to another commish? Uh, yeah, I have. So uh, I think we've talked about it on here, but mm-hmm. um, I had over the past few years commissioned 26 uh, dynasty leagues that I did not play in as part of a commissioner service. And this offseason decided to give those up, which uh, I mean, that's never an easy decision because people put their time and their money into building teams and sometimes building teams looking toward the future. So um, that was, that was a tough decision for sure. And and because of that, I didn't want to just kill the leagues outright, but um, gave everyone a chance to step up and, and either be commissioner or find a new commissioner if they wanted to do that. Several of the leagues did that and uh, were able to continue and maintain uh, others, of course, did not. So um, I, that's that's kind of a different situation, though. I think um, there was a, a, there have been a couple leagues I've played in where, yeah, I just killed the leagues. And um, this is probably true of, of your situation too. I I just knew it was the right time. Like the the, yeah. the overall activity of the league had kind of um, decreased and. Um, you know, I, I send the email, let everybody know, and I don't think in either situation of, of the two leagues I can, I can, I'm thinking of now. I don't think anybody complained or disagreed. I think everybody was kind of on the same page that yeah, it's it's probably time to to end this one. Um, so I don't know. In Stewart's case, I, I know some leagues have this like, like alternating commish role. Um, which I've never played in a league like that where, where the job of the commissioner changes from year to year. But if that's the case, then I think you just, it's, it's a little easier to, yeah, to you just pass be. on, pass on that commissioner role to the next person or to someone else who's willing and, and you step aside. Um, but yeah, I mean, in general, I'm going to try to find somebody else or, or offer it up to let somebody else commission. Then I'm going to uh, part yeah. ways. Yep, that's the easiest way. I think I think to sum up, probably just send an email to the entire league saying I have to step away from this league. If you guys still want to run it, someone else has I'll hand the keys over to another commission. Then you're you're out. Someone else got has it. Maybe the league dies, maybe it doesn't. Not your not your problem anymore after that email. So Matt has a question. Our IR rule states a player can be activated after 60 days. So I guess if you put a player on IR, he must stay there for 60 days but not if he must be activated if healthy need to decide keeper league. Um, So the way I read this is that uh, a player has to stay on for 60 days. But the question is, does he, there's no rule that says he needs to be activated if he's healthy. Um, Do you think that player should be activated because he's technically not hurt anymore? Or do you think he's allowed to stay on IR? So it sounds like they kind of have conflicting rules if I'm reading his question right. Um, I mean, I, it, it just depends on how you want to use the IR spot and how strict you want to be with that. So yeah. I, I've seen some leagues where 
a player doesn't even have to be hurt to be put on the IR. It's basically just a stash spot. Oh, wow. Which I don't really understand. No. If you, if you want to do that, just add an extra spot to your rosters. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I, with this question, it's yeah. it's tough to answer. We I feel like we don't have enough information. But Yeah. I, maybe I'll take a stab at it. I, I do agree with you. It's just tough to answer. I just... I mean, obviously, the the assumption is that if he's going on for sixty days, you're basically using it as a as a stash spot. But if he's healthy, he should have to come off. It just, I don't know. IR spots should be used for injured players. That's that's just my my take on it. And uh, I understand that at some point in the sixty days, that player can become healthy. But that just means at sixty days, he should come off. Um, I don't really like the 60 day rule. Neither do I. That's just another thing for a commission to monitor. You have to check when a player was placed on IR and you know, what is 60 days from that? And are you, you know, are you going to remember to check that 60 days later? NFL makes it pretty easy with the, the IR designation. And, And you can even set, you can even create the setting that if a, if an owner has, a violation they can't even set their lineup so that's what i use that forces everyone to uh, police their own ir and and i don't really even have to look at it yep exactly that's that's what i would recommend you know decide what you want for ir spot like if it's ir suspension and out or just ir and suspension or just ir decide what that is and use that that can't submit lineup or it's in violation thing. That's exactly what I do on MFL as well. I don't really like the 60 day rule. And um, since you do have it, uh, I do feel like if a player is healthy, he should not be on your IR. So I guess that's my answer. Um, Andrew and Fife and, uh, oh good. We got a Fife question. Dynasty Fife. Uh, Andrew and Fife both have a similar question. Andrew, when, if ever, do you step in and veto a trade? I just don't. Um, Dynasty Fife would love to hear a portion covered vetoes covering veto trades, touching on Scott's earlier tweet of a commish who blocked a normal trade for integrity. Uh, just a little, you know, background on that trade. Um, it was a package of four decent starters for OBJ and Luck. The decent starters were going to a contending team, you know, to kind of put them over the top. And Luck and OBJ were going to the last place team. So um, I felt the trade was, you know, probably better for the OBJ Luck side, but the commissioner actually did not want the contending team to get those four players and be too strong. So he vetoed the trade, uh, saying that for the integrity of the league, he wants all the teams to be as even as possible. And he thought that that would make the other team too strong and too much of a contender, which is, it got a lot of talk yesterday. It was, it was pretty crappy. Um, but I, I just don't veto trades. All my trades automatically go through. Uh, I, I'm not going to tell someone in a dynasty what they, you know, I'm not going to try to tell you, tell them what their opinion. I'm not here to babysit. You know, I'm not going to tell them what they should think of a player. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? <laughs> Pretty much the same thing. I don't, I don't think I've ever vetoed a trade. Um, yeah, I don't think I ever have in any of my leagues. Um, I, I mean, I can think of scenarios where I would, if we're talking, I mean, if you see Julio Jones for a fourth round pick, yeah, s- something's up, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty clear. 
Then yeah, so be something. as we've as we've said on here so many times, a lot of these topics and a lot of these problems a commission runs into can be fixed by just having good active owners. Um, so I've never seen a trade like like that, like a Julio Jones for a, a fourth round pick. Mm -hmm. uh, so because of that, I haven't I haven't had to overturn a trade. But I mean, unless it's just clear clear collusion then I would not consider vetoing a trade at all. And I don't, I don't think the situation that you were um, talking about on Twitter with the OBJ and luck trade, I don't think that that certainly was not uh, um, collusion. So mm, nope. yeah, should not, should not have been overturned. And yeah, those, those are leagues I would leave immediately. I know you said the same thing. Yeah. That <laughs> that tweet, just as a side note, when when I got a full time job in the industry, not even re, not even half the interaction that that tweet yesterday got. So <laughs> people were definitely fired up of that about that commissioner uh, that commissioner uh, you know about that commissioner. Let's go to Ryan Ryan and Matt. Is this you, Ryan? Is this your question? I just want to hear what you think. <laughs> and Matt Price is the other one. So, uh, good friend, Matt Price. Um, so, they have a similar question. Ryan says, how do you kick someone out of a dynasty league for inactivity? And do you do it in season or after the season? Matt's question, owner pays dues, sets lineups, but super inactive and gives you grief whenever you you know mention it. Are you with your in your rights to remove him mid season using that best interest clause that we've talked about, or should you wait till after the season? So basically, the same question: Can you remove an inactive owner in season? Uh, he's set lineups. He's paid. He paid the dues. Uh, are you a commission that would feel comfortable doing that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I am going to do what's in the best interest of the league. I, I don't have that that well-worded rule like you do. I, I didn't need to steal that at some point, <laughs> but um, I mean, that's what I'm going to do every time. So if, if there's an owner that is inactive, that is causing any kind of problems, then yeah, he's just, I'm just going to remove him. There's no, uh, in the majority of fantasy leagues, there's no type of contract. There's no legal binding anything that right. says you, you have the right to play in that league. So, um, yeah, I would kick I would kick somebody out really for any reason I wanted to if I felt like I had the support of the league. Um, and yeah, that's a big deal for in season, right? And then just to stay um, above board, I guess I would always give them a refund as well. So, uh, I mean, I think if you're giving them a refund, then they have they have no argument to make because again, it's it's not like they have a right to to be in every single league or, or any certain league they want. Right. Exactly. It's, unless it's like a commissioner service where there are, you know, rules and you paid for et cetera. 99% of leagues out there. Yeah. Just, it's absolutely fine to do mid season. I don't have the balls for that. I need the, the dynasty or the dynasty Frank fantasy bouncer. I, I don't have the balls to do it in season. I'm the guy that at the end of the season, um, I just, he's not back. You know, I'm, I'm an end of the season guy. I avoid the drama. I don't, I do not like drama as you could probably tell by my Twitter account. I, I stay away from a lot of areas that maybe I should involve myself in, but I don't, um, I don't like drama. So I would do it after the season personally, but, uh, there's nothing wrong with doing it in season. Uh, there really isn't. Ryan's absolutely correct. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the, 
best case would be to get that closure at the end of the season, let it play out. Um, so if it's just um, if it's just somebody who is they're setting their lineups, they're they're following the rules, but maybe they're just not as active as you'd like, or maybe they're just a little bit of a jerk, but nothing too far out of line, then I would probably let it play out. Yeah, definitely. Definitely let it, let it play out. Plus I, I always have this weird thing where I don't want to lose an owner mid season. I've lost, I lost a couple owners in the middle of the season here and um, I'm probably just going to uh, just this week. I'm probably just going to have either set their lineups this week and have get someone to caretake it because I'd rather have the expansion draft or the, the dispersal draft at the end of the season. It's tough losing a, play, a team in season. I, I, I really hate that. So um, I was trying to look something up before this next thing, but we'll just jump into it. Sam has a question about expanding a league, which we, we have touched on. It's, it's not an easy thing to go through, but it's, you know, there are ways. Uh, what processes do you use? He's currently using a system like what the NHL did. Um, I'm sure you know what that is, Ryan, right? Big NHL buff? I've heard of the NHL. That's about <laughs> it. It's, it's a league, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I don't know what the NHL did for their expansion draft. I, it looks like they protected players, which is what I think all expansion drafts in Dynasty are. Um, I'm not exactly sure how they went about it, but we got an email, another email from Tim and here's what he did. And I thought this was not, not, not too shabby. Um, in his, every team got to protect four players from their dynasty team. I, I actually am a proponent of keeping, of protecting your full starting lineup at least, but he protected four players. If you keep a fifth, you lose a, your first round pick. If you keep a sixth, you use, you lose the next year's first round pick. If you keep a seventh, you lose a second round pick. If you keep an eighth, you lose the next year's second round pick, and so on. Um, basically, basically hamstringing hamstringing guys to decide how much how many keepers they actually want to keep. My general go to is keeping the start anywhere from the starting lineup to a couple extra players, and then giving the two expansion teams each of the first two rookie picks, so they get four rookie picks to start the rookie draft. And, uh, and then they also get to draft. Uh, they have a draft before that that drafts all the available players. So expansion teams come in knowing that they're, they're going to be at a disadvantage, but they are going to start the year with the four best rookies as well. Um, and I don't like to do an expansion draft the current year. I like to do it a year out. But, I mean, there's many ways to do this. I, I love talking about this, but I'm, I'm afraid we'll talk too much if I – so hit me up on Twitter or in the email and I'll try to respond to it. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts on expansion drafts? Have you, I can't remember if you've done any. Um, I only did one as an owner, not as a commish. So I was, I was one of the, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was one of the new teams coming in. I've told that story and I don't want to think about it anymore. It didn't, yeah. it was not the way to do it, but um, yeah, I agree with, with most of what you said. I, uh, I, I like Tim's idea. It's certainly got some creativity, but mm -hmm. I agree with you that I would want to keep more, uh, keep more players. So, I mean, my, I feel like people have built up a dynasty, you know, and I, it, it, maybe, you know, uh, I don't know. I just, I hate pulling that away from them. And if you're giving, especially if you give them say 
instead of four one year, give them the top two picks the first year or the top four picks the first year and the top four picks the second year. Uh, that team could be a real contender just in two years, even though they started off. I mean, you've done catch 22. I mean, even if you start off with, with crap, those are such tradable assets that I, I feel you can make your way back from, from having to dig through, you know, non top 100 players. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I like your idea of a starting lineup. And when I'm when I say starting lineup, I'm not talking about um, your actual starters, just that number. Right. right. So if you start nine players, I, I like keeping nine plus two. So whatever the starting lineup is, plus two. Yep. And, and that and that could vary depending on how large the rosters are as well. I will say I really like Tim's idea, and it, it's I I can't remember the email but i i think it probably worked pretty well for them and um i bet it made the drafts interesting too with with how many people you know gave up their picks versus kept them but uh cutting down that deep is definitely going to help um help the newer teams so i like both methods what would have been interesting and and maybe this is what they did i don't know but so the the teams who chose to keep additional players and lost their rookie picks if those rookie picks instead went to the expansion teams oh yeah that'd be so if, if the rookie picks didn't just disappear but were basically traded in exchange for keeping a fifth player or a sixth player or so on right i don't know that would be an interesting way to do it too it sounds like it was more like a keeper league draft where you know teams kept in between four and eight players and then they held a draft um and I got to imagine the expansion team's got the first couple of picks. But, yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting, Tim. I, I like that. Um, let's go on to Eagles fan. Can you explain taxi squads and suggest how to implement them into an existing league? We've gone over this. Ryan doesn't see the point of them outside of Debbie leagues, right, Ryan? Outside of contract leagues, yep. Contract or, or – you, you, you're even Debbie, you're not okay with them? Or contract or Debbie? Yeah, contract or Debbie. Okay, yeah. Um, I'm fine with them either way, honestly, um, because I, I think it's okay to stash rookies on them. But I, I would not stash anything other than rookies or Debbies. Um, but I, I understand some, just because some teams are going to have five rookies and some teams are going to have zero or one rookies. You know, it's I don't want to open up the roster spot to 25 instead of 20. I just uh, – I just would rather have 20 active players and then a taxi for rookies or devies. But uh, there's different ways to do them, but um, I wouldn't allow anything more than a rookie on a taxi squad ever. Right, Ryan? Yes. Yeah, that would be, that would be my feeling too. As far as implementing them, I actually think it's, it's pretty easy to implement. Um, You're essentially just adding roster spots, uh, big picture with, with a limit on who can, take up those spots. So, um, so many rules are difficult to implement once a league gets started, uh, obviously starting lineups or, uh, scoring rules. Those, those things are tough to change, but I think this is a pretty easy switch to make. I will, I will touch on one more thing for implementing them, the promotion and demotion period. I don't like allowing demotion in here. I don't want people to be able to just pick up rookies off the waiver wire and throw them on their taxi squad. Uh, so uh, I'm actually I'm actually considering changing this in some of my leagues, but I would consider a taxi squad of like 
three to six. I, I, I think you need to put a limit on it, I, I think I've learned. And also, I, I would not allow demotion in season. Uh, those are two things I would, I would recommend. Okay, let's move on to Nathan. This has to be Powell, just based it, on the question. It is Nathan Powell, yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's your worst commish screw-up ever? Um, uh, boy, gosh, I don't know. Uh, I think I think there have been a couple times that my rules have not been completely tightened up by the time of the draft, which which is never good. Um, in Pigs One, I, I I like doing my startup auctions uh, non proxy, and half the Pigs One people did not realize that like two days before the draft. So that became a huge issue. So I, I don't know. I, I think my biggest screw up is a couple times I haven't had my my rules as tightened up as they should have been. Um, I really don't. I can't think of anything too blatant. Um, I haven't like done one thing in in with one team and and then changed the way I do it with another team or anything like that. I can't think of anything terrible, but it, it's usually involving not having you know. Uh, something like that where my rules just they, they had a loophole and I had to correct it yeah I, I feel like most of the mistakes I've made as a commissioner the issues I've had have just come as a result of um, maybe taking on too many leagues or um, just kind of having my hand in too many pots spreading myself oh, thin yeah. I remember in the first year of of a league I commish, um, we have a rule that the winner of the um, the toilet bowl gets an additional first round pick. So that becomes the one point thirteen pick, um, which I think several leagues use now. So it's it's basically a pick that you have to add on when you are going through the setup of of MFL. You put your draft order in, and then you go back after the fact, and you add this this extra draft pick. So we we go through the entire offseason. We have the the rookie draft. The draft is over, and I realize I did not add that one point thirteen pick. Ouch. I didn't I didn't add it in there after the draft. Wow, that's yeah. So um, I frantically look back to see, okay, who was it that I kind of screwed over? Who, who won the toilet bowl? Didn't even remember. And, and again, this goes back to maybe having too many leagues. I actually won the toilet bowl. So my own team, uh, was the one that should have gotten the extra first round pick, uh, which was good news and bad news for yeah, me. It's uh, good news. Cause you, you just take it on the chin then. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't change anything. I just, uh, basically lost a first round rookie pick. Um, but it was, it was at my own doing, it was my own fault. so I didn't, you, you know, I didn't try to start the draft over or anything like that. I just, I just took the L on that one. Um, but I, I still, I still think about that now. I don't want to go back and see who that player might've been. That, that would hurt. I will say there've been a couple, couple instances that have been troubling with the, uh, the whole Devi league thing. Cause MFL doesn't have them where, you know, a team drafts a player, uh, that was on a Devi team, and you don't realize till after the friggin' draft. Mm. Uh, I feel like I feel like that's happened before. I 
it, it it's not sticking to me like but I feel like I've had that situation uh, or later in the draft you notice but that's pretty bad too but let's talk about that 1.13 pick Pete had a question about how to set up that he's got a 10 team league and the loser the loser bowl winner gets the 1.11 he was curious how you set that up do you, do you want to go over that for a half second to to let Pete know uh sure just so you go through the normal steps of setting up your draft order, um, which is a pretty easy process on MFL, just rearranging the the teams in, in the order of finish or, or whatever you have chosen to uh, decide draft order. So you get everybody in there, you import your, your draft pick trades to adjust for uh, all those trades that have been made for the past year or two. And then there's an option on MFL under the commission setup to edit the draft order. And uh, at that point, you can go in and move teams around, which there would not really be much of a reason to do that. But you can also add or completely remove picks. So I've had a couple of cases in the past where um, an owner had to forfeit uh, a pick for different reasons. And that's also where you would go in and take those picks away. Um, but yeah, you can add picks there or or remove picks if needed. So you just kind of drag the the new team over, whoever won the one thirteen or the one eleven in this case, uh, stick them at the bottom of the list and hit save, and you're good to go. Nice, nice. All right, we're we're about to talk about me getting overwhelmed because <laughs> uh, Larry, aka the Worm. Uh, wants to talk about rivalries in Dynasty because I've mentioned them a couple times in the show. Uh, he's thinking uh, about implementing them in a Dynasty League days commissioning or going to commission. Um, wants to know how to set them up, what he can give as a reward, and he likes the idea of the digital trophy and how to design those. Oh, man, people from Pigs 2 are listening right now going, you still haven't designed our trophies. I just use a simple graphics thing like GIMP or Photoshop or whatever and create little trophies and I, I, I can put them on the site, on the MFL site with a, a league message or whatever. Um, ba- basically, each year people pick uh, the rivals that they want via a rival draft. It's, a, it's another draft that you get to have in Dynasty. And like you basically just call out another player. You go in order of worst to first or whatever. And that basically, that's a really good way to set up your divisions too. If, if you, if you have a league with divisions, you can keep the rivals in the same division um, so that they definitely play each other. Some people take it a step further and try to have one week be the rivalry week that I've found takes a lot of work and I just don't do it. I, I do it in my home league cause it's not, you know, it's my home league. I, I you know, I, I, I find the time to put in that effort and they, they love that. But, um, a lot of leagues, it's kind of tough. Uh, so just have the rivalry weeks be whenever those two teams match up, and ju- just keep keep it keep track either in a Google Doc or the MFL um, MFL messages who wins the rivalry games. You can have the rivalry games like be have it be forced that they have to put money up against each other, or you can just have it for be for the trophy, or you can take a little bit of each pot. And have that go towards someone who, you know, wins a rivalry trophy or or someone who wins, you know, five rivalry trophies over five years or whatever. Um, 
there's different ways to do it, but it, it does it does take a little work. You have to you have to make sure that people um, draft rivals, and then you have to keep track of it. You know, off MFL, MFL doesn't do anything for tracking rivalries, so uh, it is a little bit of work. I, I might reply to you in email as well, but I found that some leagues they're really fun, and some leagues they are absolutely nothing, and no one cares. So um, you'll have to see how it is for your league. I don't know if you have anything to respond to in that, Ryan, because I don't think you do rivalries in any of your leagues. I know Ghost does a bunch of them, but and his leagues love them. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, I don't use them in my leagues, but it, it has always, you know, we've talked about it a lot, and it's always sounded like um, it would be a fun aspect. But, mm. um, yeah, more work for the commish for sure. It is. It's, it's definitely commish-intensive, and – I, I'm completely honest. I have had leagues that do not care about them at all. And I've had leagues where they absolutely, like my home league loves them, but I've had other leagues that just don't care. So uh, leagues are different. Okay. We got, we got a couple more here really quickly. Uh, Woody, first off, sorry, we missed your other question. I thought we've hit every question on this show pretty much. Um, but apparently we've missed a couple here and there. Because uh, I think you're the second person to tell me that we missed a question of yours. So I might have just hit delete buttons when I shouldn't have. But you want to know about a three-point bonus for home field advantage in the in the playoffs for the number one seed. Uh, Ryan, do you want to start on this? Or? Sure. Uh, I don't do any kind of uh, bonus or um, you know spotting any points or anything like that for the playoff teams. But I do that with the uh, in, in the toilet bowl. Uh, so in the toilet bowl, the number one seed is actually the last place team. So it's kind of a reverse order there. And uh, the top seed gets, uh, I think it's a 10-point bonus, actually. And then it, it uh, stair steps down to the sixth seed, which is the team that just barely missed the playoffs, gets no bonus. And, and they would obviously have... Uh, the best team for that year and, and the best chance to win uh, in, in most cases to win that toilet bowl. So yeah, I give, give just a little help to the uh, lesser teams, but as far as the playoffs, I mean, to me, it's, uh, you know, put, put out the even playing playing field and see mm -hmm. what happens. I don't yeah. have any problem with, with the rule, but it's not something I would use. I don't have a problem with a three point home field bonus. If the number one seed does not get a buy. Like if it's four teams and they all play week one, I you know I get that. I I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with it, but I mean it's it sounds like a fun little tweak. I've played in leagues where every week of the regular season there's a home field team, and that home field team gets a three point bonus, which I thought I wasn't a huge fan of, but it was interesting. But if the number one seed or number two seed or whatever get a a bye week in your playoffs they should absolutely not get a three point home field bonus. That's that's they've already gotten their bonus by not having to face everybody for a week. So uh, that's probably how I feel about that. Uh, but interesting wrinkle. Um, so if people are out there and want to try that, that's, that's interesting. All right. Last one. It's been one of our longer shows, Ryan. It's, it is. Yeah. We're, it's uh, 45, 50 minutes now. We got a lot of good questions. We did. We did. Thank you for that, guys. Uh, Andrew, changing rules. Do you delete the rule in your bylaws? You know, changing your league constitution, whatever you call it in your league. Uh, do you delete or keep for historical reference uh, rules that you change or decide to, you know, get rid of? 
do you, do you keep them at all or do you, do you just delete them? They're gone forever. Just whatever. I've always deleted them, but I think, uh, I think Andrew has a good idea there just to, mm-hmm. to keep them in there, maybe change the color or change the font, cross it out uh, using some of those editing features that you can do just to have that uh, as, as reference and as a reminder of uh, when the rule did change, because a lot of those rules would have an effect on the history of the league and maybe mm-hmm. the scoring, maybe the uh, playoff setup or things like that. So I think it's a good idea to keep those. I wish I had thought of that. Um, it's kind Years of a simple ago. thing, but I yeah. just had never really thought of it. Yep. I'm the same way. I, when I read this, I'm like, Oh, interesting. I, I never really thought to, I j- I'm like Ryan, I just delete rules that are no longer applicable and, uh, I don't think twice about it, but it, it would be interesting to, uh, to have a historical reference like that. It, it's, it's a nice idea. Um, I just, I just never really had done that before. So the answer, no, I don't. And Ryan doesn't, but, uh, it's a good idea and maybe we should have. So, uh, all right. I think that's all. That's, that's like a hundred questions. So everybody should be happy. And <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's get on out of here. Uh, thanks. Thanks again, Ryan, for another awesome show. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Good. Uh, Good hosting, sir. <laughs> yeah, we'll be back in a month or two, hopefully, probably, I think. So do not delete us from your subscri- – keep keep us subscribed. Tell your friends to subscribe and tell them it might be a month or two. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes. Otherwise, thanks for listening, and uh, have a great day. Bye.